Welcome to Once and Future Authors, Changing Lives One Book at a Time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. So I asked you on first about attention all passengers, which which kind of thrusts you into the limelight um, in the airline industry. Could you just uh, yeah, very good. We're, we're... Oh, you and Raju, yeah. All right, all right. Uh, if you would remind our viewers um, who haven't been lucky enough to to hear you on about how this came about, it was a long time ago. This book was written, and it's every bit as relevant today as it was before. Yeah, in some ways even more relevant. That's that's the odd thing, which is, you know, obviously not the case. You you talk to so many authors. It's not the case usually with nonfiction. Um, the book was published by HarperCollins in, in 2012. And um, I think if it had been about the airline industry in 2012, then it would have, you know, had a very short shelf life. But really what it was was a, a, a look at where the industry was and where it was going. So it was prognosticating where we would be in 2020, give or take. And I guess so, you got it right. <laughs> uh, I, I don't find much pleasure in this, but unfortunately, many of the worst prognostications have come true as far as, you know, the consumer experience on airlines. And, um, you know, I was sort of, I called it trend lines. I was saying, you know, there's certain trend lines out there and, um, you know, they're all coming to fruition. And unfortunately, this, this whole coronavirus thing is uh, bringing out some of the worst problems uh, in the industry. Uh, you, you were talking about, um, and I know you're on CNN, I constant, every time I turn on Facebook, there's Bill McGee talking about uh, the airlines and coronavirus. And now what are the airlines running at? Less than, you know, 10%, 90% has been canceled at this point? Yeah, I mean, just to give you some perspective, I, uh, <clears throat> the last time I flew was on, on March 3rd. I, I, I flew to Washington to testify before the House Aviation Subcommittee in Congress about the state of the airline industry. It was only one question about coronavirus. It was, you know, something was out there and wasn't really affecting us yet. And my flights, both direction to Washington were 100% full. And the load factors, the, the percentages of occupied seats uh, in the airline industry in the US were in the high 80s at that time. And now they're in single digits. They were last I heard, they're about 9%, you know. So you go from, you know, a flight that, that you know, an aircraft that seats 100 people there were 89 people on six weeks ago, and now it's, you know, there's not, you know. Well, um, I guess at least they won't you know, be sitting near each other. We planes going, flying around right now. Yeah. <laughs> at least you can keep your social distance on a plane. Well, yeah, I mean, this, this is going to sound funny, but the, the, the issue that I was speaking about in Washington that day in Congress, and I spoke about many issues, but one of the key issues was on behalf of Consumer Reports, we were fighting to keep, for the airlines to keep families together. They were mm. seating young children, believe it or not, children as young as two and three and four years old, separately uh, from their parents, unless you pay extra to have, you know, preferred seating. 
Well, of course, that issue has sort of evaporated overnight. Yes. Now, you know, that there's, you know, 9% passenger loads, but it will come back eventually. Right, you know? right. So it's, you know, it's just on a back burner. Unfortunately, other problems for consumers have popped up in the meantime. Right. Uh, on, on that note, though, who on earth would want to sit next to somebody else's two-year-old? I mean, I wouldn't even want to sit next to my own two-year-old. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and a lot of people have echoed that, that sentiment. Uh, it's, it's really extraordinary. Uh, it gives you some insight into how airline executives in the U.S. think these days. The nickel and diming is just so terrible that they're actually, you know, seating two and three and four-year-olds separately. This is not... This is not me making stuff up. We have documented, we at Consumer Reports, we put up a, a, a web page and we said, tell us your stories. And we were inundated with hundreds of stories. Kids that were autistic, kids with, you know, aller peanut allergies, kids with all kinds of problems. And, um, you know, being seated separately, unless you pay extra. Oh. And, and we just said, you know, this is ridiculous. You shouldn't have to pay extra. And um, so many problems, you know. So... Um, we were, you know, very vocal about that, and, and, you know, we continue to be vocal about a lot of uh, passenger issues. Unfortunately, these are, these are not good times for uh, airline passengers in Washington because um, it's very hard to get heard. Uh, the airlines have a lot of money. They're a very big lobbying powerhouse, and, uh, you know, they're very, they're very good to get, you know, a bailout with our taxpayer dollars, but they're not as good in responding to consumers. Right, right. So tell us a little bit about how the uh, COVID-19 is affecting the airlines, our safety, and what we should be thinking about right now. Sure. Well, you know, there's a couple of issues. One, uh, one is, you know, the, the actual um, health issues related to COVID, if for some reason you have to fly. And there are people that are still flying. You know, there are people that um, have necessary jobs, and there are people that are stranded far from home and still getting home and things like that. Most people are not, of course. But, um, you know, there are issues about cleaning the aircraft. I spoke to a, a journalist a few weeks ago. These are all issues that are in uh, half the child. Is it, uh, I'm sorry, wrong book. <laughs> wrong book. I'll keep holding it up. How's that? <laughs> attentional passengers. Um, attentional passengers has a lot of, uh, a lot of the chapters are devoted to this issue of the airlines outsourcing critical mm. work, like maintenance of airplanes. Well, among other things, they've also outsourced cleaning of aircraft. They did that many, many years ago. They didn't really have a handle on it. So when this first started and people were still flying and saying, well, you know, we we're still learning about how, you know, how infectious this is and how quickly, you know, you can, you can be exposed to it. People were calling me and saying, well, you know, how well are the, air the airlines cleaning their aircraft? And I'm like, well, first of all, they don't. You know, it's been outsourced so many years ago. I'm sure if you ask the CEOs of the major airlines who does their cleaning, they wouldn't even know, you know. And so... Um, you know, there are issues related to that. There are issues related from the, uh, from the employee side with uh, so many crew members that are getting sick, you know, mm. being exposed to this. Flight attendants, even some pilots, you would think they would sort of be removed up in right. the cockpit, but even some pilots have, you know, cockpit crew members have been sick. But flight attendants, they always seem to be in the, in the, in the front lines and in the front lines of defense. and. Right. Um, yeah, there have been quite a few, not only, uh, you know, flight attendants have been sick, but, but flight attendant deaths. And, um, you know, there are passengers who are flying that don't know that they have, you know, right, uh, right. COVID-19. And then there are passengers who do and, and don't share that information, right? So, um, you know, I mean, there are a lot of different ways that, um, you know, you can spread this, but 
inside a pressurized aluminum, aluminum tube for a couple of hours. That's one of the worst, you know, with air that circulated in a very small space. Um, so, you know, I mean, if you look at it as, you know, by profession, other than, you know, front lines, like in the, in the medical profession, flight attendants are right up there in terms of, you know, being exposed to this. So there are issues with the safety. And then there are issues um, that I've been very heavily involved in recent weeks from a consumer perspective. And I don't know if you've, you've heard about this, Stephanie, but um, um, the, most of the U.S. airlines are being very, very difficult in giving refunds, even though this, you know, huge event has basically right. forced everyone to be grounded. I guess they're hanging on to that word non-refundable ticket. To little... <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, even in, in better times, um, we were down in Washington on behalf of Consumer Reports. I was down there talking about how unfair... They, they call them contracts of carriage. The airlines basically write the rules in this country. In other countries, there are regulations telling them what they should do with passengers. We're, we're, we're sort of the wild west uh, here in the U.S. these days. And so the airlines write the rules. Well, guess what? They write them for themselves and by themselves. And, you know, and so they have all the rights in the world. And when they're, you know, if your flight gets canceled and it's what they call a force majeure, you know, you didn't know I was going to speak another language. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, an act of God, right? right? So when, you know, when there's bad weather or this or that, they're very quick to say, well, you know, we don't owe you money and we don't, you know, we don't owe you anything. We're not going to give you a hotel or a meal or this or that. Um, unlike in other countries, by the way, like in Europe. Um, so they're quick to do that. But now we have a situation where if ever there was a force majeure, this is it. This right? is it, right. I mean, you have so many, you know, government officials and government agencies from the White House on down saying, stay home, don't fly, don't go out. So what are you supposed to do if you have a flight booked? Right. Well, we have been uh, really, really disappointed in the Department of Transportation and in, um, you know, the airlines themselves, they have, um, so many U.S. airlines have just not been responsive. So at Consumer Reports, we're making a lot of noise about it. And you can go on our website at consumerreports.org or cr.org. And you can see that we started the petition and we're asking people to tell us their stories. This is not anecdotal. This is not just, well, a few people had some problems. This is systemic. It's across the board. Some airlines are worse than others. Um, and they're just not giving back refunds. They're oh. giving vouchers. So, right. you know, let's just look at that a moment. Let's put this in the context that a few weeks ago, you and me and everyone else who pays taxes in this country just gave the airline industry in the United States a $61 billion bailout. $50 billion of that went directly to passenger airlines. And at the same time, they're saying, well, you can't have your $350 back for that flight that you booked next month. Um, it's just, it's unconscionable. It's not, it's not right. And, you know, so here you have passengers that are told, you know, by the president, by the governor, whoever, you shouldn't be flying. And yet the airline is saying, oh, well, you're going to, you know, remember, a lot of flights are still operating. So if your flight hasn't been canceled, they're saying, oh, you want to cancel? Okay, well, you may not get a refund. You know, you may get a voucher, may not, you know, um, they're playing hardball and they're doing it with our tax dollars, which is the worst part of it. Right. And, um, you know, my position couldn't be clearer. Everyone who wants a refund should get it. If you want a voucher because you want to go to Hawaii next fall or next winter or something and you'd rather do it that way and you've already paid for it, fine. You know, that should be your choice. But you should not be given a voucher because don't forget, a lot of people, they're never going to take that trip. That's right? right. They're not going to be going to that graduation or that wedding or that conference. <clears throat> it's never going to happen, know? exactly. 
Exactly. And so, you know, my son was due to graduate from school in a couple of weeks and family was going to fly in from all over. Well, you know, they're not now, you know. Right. And it's not going to so, get rescheduled. Right. So, you know, a lot of people don't want a voucher because they're not going to Seattle now. They're not going to Chicago. They're not going to wherever. Right. And then, you know, at the same time, you have a lot of, you know, people, maybe some older people, some people with, you know, compromised health systems. They're saying, well, I don't want to fly at all now, right. you know, and, and their family is not going to fly. And then the worst part of all, of course, you know, we, we, we've, we've heard the airlines tell Congress, you know, what bad financial shape they're in. Well, what about the rest of the country? You exactly. know, everyone's in bad financial state now. So, if, you know, you're a family that's now dealing with unemployment, you know, unemployment or what have you, and you're trying to get money to, you know, pay rent and pay groceries, um, to have, you know, United Airlines holding on to your $400 for the next 12 months, it's just not right. So yeah. our position couldn't be more clear. If you, if, if anyone, you know, listening to us tonight um, has, uh, you know, have experience with this and is having trouble, uh, just, you know, log on to Consumer Reports where we're going to be taking um, uh, all your questions on the Consumer Reports Facebook account on uh, Thursday the 23rd. I'll be there to help out to answer questions. And we're going to get this petition together. We're going to go back to Congress. We're going to go back to the DOT. And we're going to keep making a lot of noise about it. It's just not right. And, yeah. you know, so to bring it full circle back around to attention all passengers, uh, as you know, we talked about it in the past. Um, all these things are predicted. This lack of service, this, 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 you know, this terrible treatment of passengers. Um, you know, you sound like, you know, like, you know, you're getting older when you say it used to be different. Well, it did used to be different. Yeah. You know, um, it, it was a better experience. And, um, you know, so we're going to keep fighting this. And I'm going to certainly, you know, continue to be very vocal about it. In addition to logging on to Consumer Reports to be um, vocal in order that, uh, maybe a little more racket will help. Do you have any advice for people who are trying to get a refund right now? Absolutely. In fact, I, I put together a, a sort of little toolkit of about four or five things. And the number one thing in all caps and bold is be persistent. Um, it's clear that what the airlines are doing is they're holding back the money. They want to keep it. They don't want to give you a refund. They want to just give you a voucher, which is a piece of paper, and it's not going to pay your rent or, right. you know, it's not going to work at the grocery store. And um, so you need to be persistent. They're going to make you jump through hoops, um, some more than others. Um, two airlines that uh, usually are not, I'm sort of smiling, usually not considered consumer-friendly, Spirit and Allegiant, um, who've had their problems in the past, Credit where it's due. They have stepped up and said everybody can get a refund. Wow. The others are, for the most part, taking it on a case-by-case -case basis. And that's no way to do this. You know, people are busy right now. People are, you know, people are dealing with sickness in the family, dealing with all kinds of issues. And to spend three or four hours on hold no. with an airline, you no. know, it's just ridiculous. And so, you know, we're, we're, we're saying be persistent because you're probably not going to get the result you want right away. I mean, that's what we're finding statistically from the... But there are success stories. You have to stick with it. And, you know, I, I, my own thing is when I, when I have to call an airline, when I can't do it online, uh, I'm a night person anyway. I call late at night, you know. And hmm. some people that are morning people, I, I hear they're out there. I don't know them personally. But <laughs> Not me. Um, you know, they should call in the morning. Don't call at four in the afternoon because you're, you're going to be, you know, you're going right. to be on a long, long line. But stay persistent. Have all your information ready. Be ready to give them all the flight information. You'd be surprised how many people wait on hold for four hours and you say, what flight is it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
United Airlines has a lot of flights to Chicago. You better narrow it down, you know. Um, so, you know, have all your information ready and, and stay firm. You know, they're going to say to you, they're, they're, they're trained to say to you, um, you know, would you like a voucher? No, I don't. I, I need this cash. I need the, I need the, I need the you know, the credit card, um, you know, credit to come back to me. Yeah. Good advice. Really good advice. Now, if you did have to fly right now, and I guess your, your, your position is don't. Unless it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, I can't imagine anything, you know, with me going on right now. I come from a big family and we have family all over the place and all over the world and, um, you know, in government service and military and law enforcement. And so we've been worried about family members and right now everybody in my big extended family is sort of where they're going to be for the duration, you know, so everybody's sort of locked down, but there were people traveling recently, you know, and, um, you know, I mean, but there are others who, who still need to travel for their, you know, for work or what have you. Um, a lot of, you know, a lot of frontline people out there. We don't realize how many, you know, in the aviation industry, people tend to sometimes only think about the pilots and the flight attendants and, you know, the people that you see. But there's an off. I've worked in the airlines, as you know, for seven years. Passengers never saw me. You know, I was in right. operations. I was off in a, you know, in a tower somewhere. But, um, you know, an awful lot of people are going to work every day. To, right. to, to keep those planes going, you know. Um, but um, if, if you did have to fly, you have to take all precautions, obviously. You know, you have to have a mask. You have to, you know, you have to have wipes. And um, you want to make sure that you're not sitting there anymore. Now, of course, as I said, it's easier to do now, right? is full, there's no reason you should be sitting next unless you want to be sitting next <laughs> to that person, right? Um, but, you know, there's plenty of room to spread out these days, at least for now. And don't touch anything. Yeah, well, it's very hard to do. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, the, the, the funny thing is, even long before this, I have, you know, I've written for years about cleanliness on, on aircraft. Um, I don't want to, you know, gross out all your viewers, but <laughs> the things that are done on fold-down tray tables in airline, in, in airplanes. No, really? You do not want to know, okay? We'll, we'll start with changing dirty diapers and take it from there. So when I see people, you know open up a bag of peanuts and pour them out <gasps> on their tray table. And I'm just like, wow, okay, you know, um, that was in better days. Okay. Now, like, wow, you know, um, and, and like many other things, the airlines, uh, have been quick to, uh, to outsource this work and to cut back. And so you don't have the same level. Um, you may have overnight cleaning of the aircraft, but if you're on a, you know, flying at 10 o'clock at night and that plane's already operated five flights today, you don't know what you're going to find in that seat back pocket there, you know, because it hasn't the same level of cleaning as it used to be. So, you know, there are these issues and, um, you know, and then getting to security and all the rest of it. But, you know, airports are pretty empty right now. So yeah. there's that. But it's still a risk. There's no question. Are you foreseeing anything positive coming out of this? I mean, in other industries, you know, I, I, I'm a silver lining kind of a girl. Um, I tend to be too, yeah. Even though I, I come off as very negative, <laughs> I tend to be an optimist too. I, I, I'm with you on that. And and you raise a great point because, you know, something like this, just like 9-11 and many other things, you really don't know how they're going to change you until they happen. And right. then you see, well, some things are never going to be the same. And I, you know, I mean, so many people love that quote about how, you know, a challenge is an opportunity. We do have an opportunity now. And for those of us who have been, you know, in Washington for years, knocking heads with Congress and knocking heads with the Department of Transportation and the airlines, trying to fight for consumers, for safety, for, 
you know, for for seats that don't aren't a health hazard or a safety hazard, you know, um, for refunds, things like that. There's an opportunity now because basically the airlines are big at saying, well, it's the free market. Leave us alone. You know, let the free market do its thing. Well, it ain't the free market anymore because you have $50 billion of our tax dollars. So right. we're all investors in the airlines now, whether you have stock or not. Um, and so now is the time. And, and I and many others plan to be very vocal about this. Um, consumer advocates, labor advocates to say, uh-uh, it's not business as usual anymore. Um, you're taking our tax dollars. So you can't just say that you're going to run things the way you want it. So, you know, I, I for one, am going to be very vocal with Congress and with others. Because guess what? They're going to be back for more money. The money is going to run out. So it wasn't a one-time bailout for the airlines. And, you know, the key is to be ready the next time. And, and we tried this time. We tried to put in provisions on refunds and many other things. And we weren't successful. Congress passed the 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 bailout without those consumer protections. There were some labor protections, which were good, protecting airline jobs, which I was happy to see as a former airline employee myself from an airline family. But the consumer protections just weren't there. So we're going to keep it up to make sure because the airlines have to start answering to us now. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't see handing the money uh, no strings attached. That just seems... And that's, that's what they really wanted, to be honest with you. You can even just look at the press releases that they put out where they talked about their bottom line. They didn't even talk about the customers, which is you know kind of extraordinary when you think about it. Yeah. I did a word search in press releases from airlines asking for a bailout, and I did the word search customer, passenger, consumer, didn't find them. You know? No. So that tells you all you need to know about this industry. So why do they get the bailout if they're not concerned about the fact that they're a service industry? They got the bailout because um, another issue in attention all passengers. Because, um, and I, you know, I wrote these words in 2012, and they're in that book that you're holding right now. Uh, hold it up a little, please. No. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um, no, no, as no. relevant today as in 2012, if not more right. so. We want to see you. Um, the fact is, I predicted, and you know, many others did too that this industry back in 2012 was getting too big to fail. And now it is too big to fail. Just like mm. the banks got an automatic bailout in 2008, there wasn't even really a debate about whether they should or they shouldn't this time. It was just a question of what would be in the bailout. Oh. You know, That's where we are now. So you know, when there was a bailout, for example, after 9-11 for the airlines, um, I was at Consumer Reports at that time too, um, and there was a bailout because of, you know, the events of 9-11. And, and again, travel sort of, you know, dropped off. Um, you know, the fact is that uh, there were five more major airlines in the United States than there are now. You know, we still had America West and TWA and mm. Continental and Northwest and okay. US Airways. All this consolidation. And, you know, I've, I've gone to Washington to testify on behalf of Consumer Reports against all these mega mergers. Now we're left with American, United and Delta and then Southwest. And um, as I've said many times, you know, my batting record is, my batting average is absolutely perfect, 0. 0.000. <laughs> the time I've testified, they've done the opposite. Um, no. and, uh, but, you know, these were, they're on the record. I can, I can pull them up. I can show you. They're in the book. They're in my testimony. This industry is getting too big to fail. And we're at the point now where if any one of the four largest ones now, American, Delta, United, or Southwest, were to go under, that would have such repercussions for the whole country, for the economy, for so many things. Really? Um, 
And when we live in places that, you know, near big metropolitan areas, you tend to forget how critical airlines are to so many things in other parts of the country where you need airline service for business and so many other things. And so, um, you know, it was never a question of if, it was a question of well, what would be in it. And, um, you know, we were very disappointed that there weren't consumer protections in there. But we've been talking to some members of Congress who are receptive to that. And, and we're just saying, you know, look, there has to be something in return. You're asking consumers to bail you out to the tune of 50 billion. This is just the airlines. We're not talking about the larger bailout that was in the trillions with a T, right? But just the airlines got 50 billion this time. Well, you know, again, you're gonna, you're not gonna give, you know, my mother back her $250, you know, right. fare. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Now I know that you are are not a, a future reader, but I guess our viewers are all hoping that you're you're little closer to knowing things than we are. Do you know what's going to happen next? Anything? Well, I, I think, you know, uh, it's going to be a different airline industry um, because, you know, 9-11 was obviously, you know, I mean, it's just an understatement to say it was, a, it was a huge shock and it was, you know, it changed things. But it was really just a question of when travel would come back, you know, once the security issues were addressed. Right. Um, you know, there was a national ground stop where there was no commercial flights for about four or five days. Then they came back. I was one of the first people to fly because I flew to Washington for a press conference for Consumer Reports and didn't want to say I took Amtrak. So I flew <laughs> one of the colleagues from Consumer Reports and um, we were, there were three people on the plane. We were two wow. of them, you know. And we sat right across from the flight attendants and jump seat. That was like September, I want to say September 18th or something like that, mm -hmm. a week later. And, um, Anyway, the real question was, okay, once we get the security issues addressed and, and you know, obviously airport security was enhanced and all of that, we all remember that that lived through 9-11, it was a question, okay, now slowly air travel will come back. In my view, um, you know, in some ways this, this current coronavirus issue, it, it, in some ways it's not as serious as 9-11, in other ways it's more serious because it has more open-ended questions. Okay. And when you look at the travel industry, um, you know, I'm a terrible, you know, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm a terrible predictor of the future in some ways, but nobody does. Nobody can say, well, I know exactly what's going to happen. You know, um, there are, you know, like some you know, tons and tons of aircraft that are parked now mm. and not flying. And there are, you know, employees that have been furloughed and taken early retirements and things like that. And so it's not like 9-11 where it's like, okay, when are we going to get back to where we were? Nobody really knows where we're going to be. Right. Um, my prediction is that um, things are going to change. And I think that this is a time for the airlines to put the customers first because they're not going to be able to just fill those planes to 88% like they were doing in March just a few weeks ago. Right. You know, um, They're going to really have to work at it. And so they're going to have to start listening you know, to people like me and other consumer advocates and to customers and improve the service. But... Um, I think it's going to be a long time before we see planes at 88%, you know, loads like we were. Um, but I do think it is an opportunity to, to force them to do, to do better on safety, on the maintenance outsourcing. I think all aircraft maintenance, as I said, and attention all passengers should be brought back to the United States, not outsourced to El Salvador or China. And, um, you know, put Americans to work, make sure that the FAA has better oversight. Um, there's so many issues that they have cut corners on. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's a nickel and dime situation. So I, I remain hopeful too. I remain optimistic that it's going to be a different industry. Um, you know, I know eventually I'll be flying again, but um, it's, going to be, it's going to be a while.
Well, I'm glad you mentioned that about outsourcing because um, so many people have no idea that maintenance is being carried out uh, not by Americans and not even by, you know, people who are, uh, I'll say, licensed, for lack of a better word. No, you're, you're correct. Yes. Um, the industry calls it certificated. And, um, you know, we've talked about this in the past. It's one of the, the, the you know, the key issues in attentional passenger, probably the key issue that I, I devoted several chapters to. Right. Most Americans aren't aware of it. I've worked in the airline industry for seven years. I've been immersed in the airline since the 80s, writing about it and advocating it advocating about it and as as i started doing research i was shocked at how much and how quickly maintenance outsourcing had you know had, had ramped up in uh, around 2006 7 8 around there and um so you're right i mean so you have facilities in el salvador and brazil and mexico and china and singapore and there's two problems one is that you have people that may that are not as qualified as the airline mechanics that are employed by the airlines in the U.S. And um, so in many cases, they're not certificated either by the FAA here in the U.S. or by the, the FAA equivalent in their countries. They don't always have the same uh, testing for drug and alcohol, for example, screening. They don't have the same security background checks. So, you know, that's why when I was, you know, talking about attention all passengers when I first came out, I was saying, who's fixing the planes and where are they being fixed? There are security issues. There are safety issues. And one of the most disturbing things of all is the FAA simply doesn't get to these places. The Federal Aviation Administration, which is, you know, a government agency working for you and me to try and protect us. And so many of the frontline people are so terrific that I've gotten to know and they want to do their job. But they ask their boss, can I go to El Salvador? Can I go to China? It's like, well, maybe next year, you know. So we are reliant on, and again, I'm talking just about U.S. airlines. We're not talking about foreign airlines. We're talking about U.S. airlines, you know, going to El Salvador and, and Brazil to, you know, to get to, to, for repairs and maintenance. And so, you know, I have, um, I've heard them say to me, you know, they're so frustrated. So again, this is an opportunity. You know, I think consumer advocates and labor advocates need to come together and, um, you know, and, and together say, well, look, you know, things are not working the way they are um, from a safety perspective, from a labor perspective. And, you know, it's, it's, it, this is the time because now, like I say, you know, the free market uh, argument, that went right out the window as soon as those checks were written by the U.S. government, mm. you know, to bail them out. Remind us again where we can go that you're going to be on with Consumer Reports fielding questions. and. Uh, sure. On uh, Facebook uh, tomorrow, Thursday the 23rd, I will be uh, all day available on um, Consumer Reports Advocacy on Facebook. It's a, it just type in Consumer Reports Advocacy, and we'll be there. And... We have gotten a ton, thousands of uh, stories and complaints from readers. So we decided to do this forum all day to, you know, have them, you know, answer their questions. I think many of the questions are going to be very similar. You know, um, I have a flight booked on United or Delta or American, whoever, and uh, they're giving me a voucher and I want a refund. But some of the questions I'm sure will be more detailed. So uh, I'll be standing by, ready to jump in, whatever, you know, to assist the others that are running it. Well, I know that you know so much about the airline industry, and I, I guess I always feel better about myself speaking with you because I know you still fly. I mean, maybe not today. Oh, yeah. Not today. Not next week. But, uh, you know, there's a disclaimer at the front of Attentional Passengers where I explained that, um, you know, the author does not uh, have stock in any airlines, mm -hmm. does not have, um, you know, does not have, I don't even have frequent flyer uh, mileage right. in any airline, you know. 
Uh, sometimes they give it to me and I don't want it, and I tell them to keep it. Um, because I look at it as my job to fly all U.S. airlines. I always try and mix it up, and every year try and fly everybody. And, you know, I have no favorites. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, how can I advocate about the passenger experience if I don't experience it myself? Um, so, but yes, I fly everybody. And, um, you know, and I worked for some airlines who were uh, kind of challenging too. So that was a good, that was a good experience because it, uh, it, uh, it showed me where some of the bodies are buried, quite frankly. Oh, God. <laughs> Not literally. But, so, yeah. so I'll be watching you. And when you're flying again, that's how I'll know that it's okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. When you see me on social media, getting, you know, on the jet bridge, walking down, then, yeah. Then, then I'll say, okay, Bill's right. flying. Now on a completely different note, um, Bill wrote a novel called Half the Child, and, and the writing of this novel kind of threw him into the spotlight as a champion for, um, there we go, look at us with the with the books, even hundreds of miles away, look at, yes. um, a champion for child custody issues um, due to the novel. And it was very interesting when I called you about speaking about the airlines tonight and COVID-19, you immediately said, can I also speak about... Um, you know, custody issues. And I was thinking, gosh, what does that have to do with COVID-19? But boy, did you illuminate me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I, and I, listen, I really appreciate it, Stephanie. That, oh, I'm, really, I'm thrilled yeah. that you're, you're here giving us such valuable information. So tell us how, yeah, how this well, is being affected by the virus. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things where, again, you know, until we go through something like this, it's hard to have a playbook because you just don't know all the outcomes, you know, who knew right. that we'd be standing six foot of, feet apart in a parking lot of a shopping, you know, know. A, a grocery store Crazy. and, you know, wiping down the cart and all of that. Right. Um, yeah. Who knew? We just didn't know. Right. I, I would argue that many people that should have known, you know, <laughs> have job, but that's another, another hour for another, another yes. speaker. Yes. But, um, you know, I mean, for most of us, it, we're, we're, this is a brave new world. But having said that, you know, I'm a lot, I'm on social media a lot. I'm always talking about the things I'm doing and advocating and airlines and custody and all that. And I've seen a lot of posts in recent weeks, and I want to be very clear. I'm very happy to see them. Reminders to people that um, those who are at risk due to domestic violence, whether it's children yes. or spouses or partners or what have you, That's huge. Um, this is not a fun time. This is not a, you know, a blizzard, like a, you know, right. we're going to have hot chocolate and watch movies and binge watch stuff. This is, you know, a really serious time. And so if you're in a household where somebody is abusive, well, what's worse than being told you're going to be locked up and you can't get out for weeks on end. Right. right. And, you know, when um, I was following the events with the uh, New York city schools system, which was one of the, the, the last, I think to, to close. Right. And there were so many issues unrelated to education, right? It wasn't about school and teaching. Food. It was about, right. for many kids, it meant three meals a day, right? right. Or it meant the only hot meal they're going to get. And for many kids, unfortunately, it meant they were going to be now home in an abusive environment, right? right? Yes. So, um, I, you know, I, 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 of course, I, 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 my heart goes out to those folks, and I, and, I, and I support them. But it occurred to me that I'm not seeing as much about custody, and the awful effects that that can have, um, particularly on you know on, on on emotional state for both kids and adults. So, as you know, and as you you know as you said, I've you know I've become an advocate for this. I, I came into it in a very odd way. It wasn't like with the airlines where I worked and I became right, a journalist. Right, right. Started, you know, and eventually started testifying and advocating. 
this was I wrote a novel about this topic, and it's a topic close to my heart. It's a, the, the, half the child um, is about custody, and it's about an abduction. It's uh, narrated. It's fiction, and it's narrated by a, a, a young man uh, named Michael Mullen, who is a. Of course, there's an aviation component because it's. <laughs> of course, because you're right with you. Yeah. I, I wanted to give him a nice, quiet job, so I made him an air traffic controller at LaGuardia <laughs> Airport. Um, <laughs> Uh, Most stressful airport stressful in the world. Tomorrow. I can't even that's imagine. As, yeah, it's as stressful as it gets. And um, and his young son, Ben, through the course of this novel, ages over four consecutive summers. The book is divided into four sections. The summer when Ben is two, three, four, and five. And um, so, you know, uh, Michael, the narrator, and his, and, his, and his wife, they separate, and then they divorce. And then a custody battle ensues. And then it gets even worse. And um, Ben's mother abducts him, and Michael doesn't know where she is, where 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 his son is, and for you know better part of the summer. And so, in writing about this, when 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 half the child came out, um, I started uh, reaching out to organizations involved in custody and involved in abduction and things like that. And now I'm in that world as well, yeah. you know, I, I, just as I am in the you know in the airline advocacy uh, world. And um, so many heartbreaking stories and so many, you know, so, so many long lasting effects. Um, you know, when we when we talk about these things happening to young kids, two, three and four and five, being separated from parents, being abducted. I think we think of them as kids and we forget that they grow up. And I have to tell you, one of the most heartbreaking experiences for me is meeting adults people well into adulthood in the 30s and 40s and 50s who were decades ago, you know, the focal point of these battles, who, who didn't see one parent or the other for months or weeks or years, mm. you know, in some cases, um, who were told lies about the other parent, you know, who, you know, some cases they were abducted. They were, told, you know, some cases they were told the other parent died and they had, you know, oh, so God. immersed in this world, I, I, I really jumped at the opportunity to come and talk to you about this because this is something I don't think is getting as much attention with COVID-19 is you have what, you know, what, uh, what psychologists and attorneys call high conflict, mm -hmm. you know, uh, family situations where things are not good, but there's maybe some sort of a, 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 a shaky truce or a shaky agreement in place. And of course it involves visitation. And so you may have, two parents that are, you know, not getting along very well, but, you know, they work out a visitation thing with the, you know, the, the lawyers and the judges have hammered it out. Well, now what? Now with COVID, what happens, right? So, you know, this is going to sound like the most simplistic thing I'm going to say tonight, and I can't stress it enough. It's, it's my mantra. Think about the kid or the kids, you know, because once you do that, everything else falls in place. If you're in a high conflict situation and, you know, your ex did X, Y, and Z and, you know, and they're all terrible things mm -hmm. and you have a great case, that's one thing. But you two are adults, right? And we're talking about kids and they didn't ask for this. They didn't, you know, they were born or, or adopted or brought into this family and they didn't ask for it, right? And so, uh, you know, right now, you have kids, some of them very young, who are not seeing their other parent, and they don't know why. And COVID-19 is being used as an excuse. Mm. And you have parents who are miserable because they're not seeing their kids. 
And I can tell you, because again, I'm in this world and I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all the rest of it. And I, I've, I've met so many wonderful people, not just the professionals, the, the psychologists and the, the mental health professionals and the attorneys, but the parents. And, and like I say, sometimes the grown kids. And um, I can't tell you, Stephanie, the suicide rate has spiked with non-custodial parents during COVID. It's something that I really, really? have not seen any media coverage of. God. That's why I was so eager to talk about this tonight with you. Yes. Um, you know, we understand about, you know, physical abuse, in, in, you know, domestic violence. We all understand that everybody wants to do something about it, you know, or they should at least. And so, you know, that's something that it doesn't really, there's nothing to discuss, right? It's right. like someone is being, you know, beaten in their home, call the cops, get a restraining, you know, take them out in handcuffs, do whatever you need to do. But here, it's much more of a gray area. First of all, you have the court system that's effectively shut down, right? right? So, you know, it's not like, well, I'm going to serve you with a subpoena and I'll see you in court on Monday, right? No, you know, under other circumstances, you might do that if you have visitation. So you have parents who can't stress it enough. I'll put it in all caps. You don't have to tell me what their individual stories are because I don't really care. The fact is they're not putting their kids first. So whatever the backstory is, and everybody has a backstory, <laughs> doesn't matter. That's between you and the other adult and hopefully you're shrink because if you're not seeing one, you should, if you've been through something like that. And, you know, and, but the, the thing is, think about the kid. So if you have an agreement in place and that kid is supposed to see daddy this Saturday or mommy, whichever, it, it, it crosses gender lines here. Many people have sort of turned this into a gender war and I'm very opposed to that. Uh, but the fact is, if, you know, if the kid knows, well, on Saturday, I go see, you know, my other parent and whatever we do, we do. We'll find a way to do it now and, and don't allow this opportunity to be a way to drive a further wedge, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you you know, I'm seeing these stories and it's like, well, sorry, you know, we're on lockdown. Uh, maybe you can see the kid, you know, over the summer. Well, that's not acceptable, right. you know. Um, we, we all know you can find ways. My sister had a birthday party a couple of weeks ago and her two little grandkids were out in the car, you know good 20 yards away. Now, one of them was like, you know, come over here. Like, why aren't you coming up? You know, but they made it work, right? And right. they had a cake and cake, you know, you can make things work if your heart's in the right place. We right. all know you can. And here we are on Zoom, right? You can make Zoom. That's right. You can do many things. But the worst type of attitude is, is taking place now where you have, um, and I haven't used the term yet, I'll use it now, parental alienation. You have mm. people who... Um, it's a very controversial issue because lawyers fight over it and, and, and psychologists fight over it. Is it a real thing? Yeah, it's a real thing. Trust me. It's a real thing. My whole novel is about parental alienation. I didn't know it had a name until after I wrote it, but there it is. Um, and it basically means that one parent is going to weaponize the child and use, you know, and, and, and degrade the other parent in, in, in the eyes of the child. Completely unacceptable. Any psychologist will tell you that and, you know, prevent visitation, et cetera. You have to make things work. It's not about you and the, and the ex-partner, you know. Like I said, you know, go get drunk with your friends and say how awful your ex is, and that's fine. But don't tell your kid that, right? And so make it work. Again, now what I'm talking about here, I, can, I, I know that people are going to say, yeah, but what about somebody who's violent or this or that? Right. We're not talking about that. We're talking about loving, caring parents. That's all I talk about. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't defend the rights of abusive parents. No. I don't defend the rights of parents who are on drugs and shouldn't be around kids until they get straightened out. That's not what we're talking about. 
stop, you know, exclamation point. That's yeah. it. It's no, so anybody that wants to say, yeah, but, you know, this person, you know, beats people up. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, it's very simple. I'm going to be speaking uh, this Saturday, participating in an event. Uh, and uh, this event, there we're all going to blow bubbles uh, on Saturday afternoon worldwide uh, in support of the fact, it's a very simple premise, every kid deserves two good parents. And if they're available, you know, and not everybody, not every kid has two good parents, but if they're available, then they should have access to them. And the rest is just details. The rest is just, you know, minor. But unfortunately, this lockdown has really hurt, and I mean hurt, I'm using hurt, you know, and I'm underlining it, a lot of kids and a lot of parents who, you know, this sort of artificial uh, rules are being put in place and visitation is being canceled. Not even phone calls, not even, you know, not even Skype, not even Zoom. Unacceptable. Put the kids first, the rest will fall in place. You, you said the uh, non-custodial parent suicide rate was up? That's incredible. I mean, I have been following this, you know, since half the child came out. I see posts about it. And then I just saw a post last week from someone who was, you know, collecting numbers on this. Um, because, you know, Many people are despondent anyway because they've lost having their child under their roof. We're talking about good, loving, caring parents. Um, I could come back for an hour or for a hundred hours <laughs> to problems with the court system. Okay, yes, well. family court, and you and I have touched on this before when we've talked about half the child. But take it as a given: the, the system is broken. Period. Okay. Anyone with half a heart and half a brain knows that child custody in this country is broken. And it's used, why? Well, what does everything else come back to? What do the airlines come back to? Dollar signs. It's an industry. And, you know, as a journalist, the cardinal rule is always follow the money. You follow the money in custody and you see that it's, you know, it's a trillion dollar industry Oof. for attorneys and courts and, cust and, you know, child support and all the rest of it. So, um, you know, when you take that out of the equation, like I say, you know, most states have a, have, have a rule the best interest of the child, New York State, for example, the best interest of the child is supposed to be the rule. Well, that'd be great if that was the way it was. Unfortunately, it's not. In so many cases, it's not. So, yeah, I'm seeing these, these. you know, you're in a position where, you know, you're a parent and you're already despondent because you're not going to see your kid until next Saturday. And now you're told, it's not even, you know, like, well, it's going to be two weeks or four weeks. We don't even know, right? Don't Nobody even has know. a date. No. So when are you going to see your kid again? You know, and maybe you live, you know, 10 minutes away, but you're still not going to see them. And the other parent, unfortunately, is not stepping up and saying, hey, we'll figure something out, you know, kiddo, you know, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll work out something. If it's not going to be a, a personal contact visit where we're still going to do visitation and, and do a handoff, something, figure something out. Um, they're not even doing that so many, in so many cases. And so now the despondency is just it's chronic, you know. This, um, you know, remember before we were talking in the context of the airlines, the difference between 9-11 and, and now. I think one of the biggest factors now that's bringing anxiety for a lot of people are these question marks. You know, 9-11, right, right. like I said, as traumatic as that was, as, as awful as it was. And those of us who were in New York at the time know how traumatic it was, of course. But, you know, again, it wasn't in fact like, well, we're never going to do this again. We're never going to fly. You know, it was a question of, okay, what do we need to do to protect ourselves, et cetera. Right. But here, it's like nobody has a timeline, right? So when you don't have a timeline, that causes tremendous angst. I mean, just think about it. I mean, and I know what, uh, you know, I've gotten to know you. I know what a loving parent you are. Imagine, you know, when when your kids who are such, you know, wonderful older kids now, when they were small, if you're told, well, 
not sure when you're going to see them, oh. you know. It's the worst type of heartbreak, you know. And so, again, I can't thank you enough for, you know, for having I, me on to talk about I, I can't even imagine. I mean, I had a hard enough time. My daughter was in London when this whole thing broke. And, right. and just that feeling when they closed the borders and getting her back here in time, you know. Right. I can't imagine, right. like you're saying, those question marks of not knowing when and having someone on the other side who was doing everything they could to be non-helpful at best, shall we say. Right, right. And you're being very, very... I know, I'm being very, very kind. Yeah, we, can, we, can, we can increase you know, the synonyms <laughs> for non-helpful from there. But yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, and again, you know, I mean, I know it sounds simplistic. It's like saying, you know, you know, peace on earth. But the bottom line is, put the kid first and then everything, you know, so just stop yourself. Well, I'm about to say to the kid, you know what your parent did? Stop, you know, right. call your best friend, call your mother, call whoever, you know, again, I'm, I'm no saying, trust me. I'm, <laughs> saying, I'm saying bash at the right time when the kid's asleep. Don't bash, you know, the kid, okay. So yeah, um, it's, it's an issue that's just not getting a lot of uh, attention. And right. I think, you know, when this is all over, we're going to have a sense that, you know, you were asking about what's going to change. I certainly hope that, you know, the custody situation in this country changes and family court. Again, we're talking about good, loving, caring parents who are available to be parents. I'm not talking about people in rehab right. or people in prison or people, you know, whatever. Right. Talking about people that want to be parents and can't be. And that's unacceptable. You know, I, I'm sure that the people who are non-custodial at this moment and feel wronged are, are sitting, watching this saying, yeah, tell them, tell them, tell them. Um, I do hope those that are kind of holding the keys to the kingdom right now, because, you know, when when that wall came down and we were all, you know, put in our own individual houses, you know, depending on which house the kid was in that day could have changed everything about the past. It's been six weeks now. No question. It's, you know, and that you, you bring up another great issue. I'm glad you brought it up because I, I, I had forgotten to bring it up. You know, you can liken it to musical chairs, right? The music right. stop, and there you are, right? Yeah. So you have situations where, don't forget, spring break fell in the middle of some of this exactly. stuff, right? So you had, you know, schedules that were worked out last summer. Mm -hmm. Usually, you know, when kids are young in school age, um, you know, the schedules are done in the summer for the following, you know, for the whole year. Right. So you had a schedule that was hammered out last July or August that said, okay, on, you know, spring break, March, whatever, going to be with you know the non-custodial parent for a week and so now suddenly like we say the music stops it was gone right and you know maybe that parent isn't equipped to you know spend eight weeks with the kid you know um so you have all these situations but again you know as hard as it is you have to find a way you know yes. you have to find a way because all you have to do is say what is best for the kid you know or kids I, i'm using singular but it obviously right. in some cases more than one um, but, uh, you know, then, then you'll figure it out, you know, then you'll figure it out. And, and, you know, and what's the next best thing? Okay. Maybe there's somebody in the house who's tested positive. So, you know, a, a physical visit with the child obviously is in no one's interest. So you can't do that. Well, here we are on Zoom, right? And, you know, right. um, I was on with my, my nieces the other day with their four little boys between the two of them. They each have two little boys. And we were having a ball, you know, we were putting right. on costumes and, you know, and they were doing what little boys do, you know, all four of them running around and, you know, acting silly. But, you know, they know we're there, you know, right. and, and 
is it is it as good as a hug? No, of course not. But it'll you know, it's better than no contact. Right? It's it's so, so much better, absolutely. You know, I've, yeah. I've had drive-by, you know, wave visits with my, my goddaughter, yeah. who's five years old. You know, right. we stand, right. but but at least I get to see her. Right, right. You know. Well, you know, it's funny. We were talking about how, you know, working from home. Um, my son, uh, you know, is in graduate school. And, um, you know, he's not overseas like your daughter was. But, you know, I had stress like everyone else, you know, wondering about, you know, where we would be for when the lockdown starts because right. we knew it was coming. And, um, you know, early on, he, he called me and he read out uh, something, a notice from the president of his university. And he was telling everyone in the, in the community, faculty, students, everyone, um, you know, a couple of steps, uh, you know, stay home, don't go out, limit physical contact with other people, try and work from home. And he reads this to me and he says, I was reading this and thought, wow, that sounds like my dad all the time. <laughs> That one coming, right? Yes. Well, certainly some of us have had less uh, less upheaval doing this. And, right. you know, the college students who had to come home, like our own kids, this changed right. their entire, everything, you know, changed. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, as if we all don't need to be reminded of this, but I guess we constantly are. Life is unfair. You know, there's no other way of putting it. And with this, you know, when I'm on social media and I see things, and I'm in no way criticizing anybody, because I understand everybody has to cope in their own way. So I, I'm not one who likes to say, well, you have it better than this person, so therefore you shouldn't, you know. No, I mean, if, you know, if something's bothering you, you should speak out about it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's unfair in how this has affected some people in such heartbreaking ways, and other people not as much, you know. So, um, you know, that's why I just try and keep it in context and say, well, okay, you know, I can't get to my boxing gym because it's closed and I can't do this and I can't do that. But, right. you know, and I'm not, you know, going out to eat or something like that. But how can I how can I possibly complain about that when, you know, you have people in the front lines at hospitals and other places that are, you know, putting their lives on the line for all of us? Uh, you know, you can't, you can't even compare it. Absolutely, absolutely. So you've got a couple of events coming up I just want to remind everybody of. Um, tomorrow, you said Consumer Reports Advocacy on Facebook? Right. And then, um, and, and I think the best thing to do is ask folks to check out um, my website, because that's where everything is listed. I mean, you know, and it's all there. Okay. And that's very simple. Halfthechild.com. No punctuation or anything else. www, if you want to do that. <laughs> Half the child. Uh, dot com and everything is there i've got a couple of readings coming up all of them be right from this chair you know <laughs> uh, some events in new jersey and on long island but of course i'll be right here uh great neck library uh the, the back back room uh, broadsides uh reading series in jersey city it's all there uh for everything that i'm doing and uh you know anyone who wants to follow me on social media connect with me friend me whatever I'm happy to do that, too. I'm always happy to talk to readers in any way I can help them with their questions. I'm happy to do that. Terrific, terrific. And uh, if you want to complain about your airline tickets, um, tomorrow at Consumer Reports Advocacy on Facebook. And then you mentioned you have, what was the event for? Uh, yeah, so I also have an event that I've, uh, it's called Guardians and Gatekeepers. It's a group that's devoted to um, parenting uh, in custody situations. And I'm going to be uh, uh, participating in a sort of a, 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 a online roundtable uh, this Saturday. 
So um, that's that's also on my website. It's all up there, all the things that I'll be doing. Fantastic. And the forth between, you know, child custody and airline safety and airline. Terrific. And I'll put those links on our own website at betweenthecoverstv.com so that, and, uh, and also tag all these videos on it so that people can find you. Excellent. Thank you so much. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on and uh, enlightening us on things. You know, COVID-19 is affecting every aspect of our lives. And I must admit, these are two that I wasn't thinking about. Right, right. And, and you know, and I'm sure there are plenty of other issues out there that we're not aware of, you know. Um, and, and we will. We will eventually be aware of it. That's why, again, I can't thank you enough. Because, you know, I just, I haven't seen a lot of uh, media traction at all. Quite frankly, I haven't seen any media coverage of how this is affecting, you know, uh, hostile custodial relations, you know. And it's really having a devastating effect on a lot of a lot of a lot of adults and children. Oh my so, gosh. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so, of course, I'll be shameless and say anyone that would interested in, in half the child or attentional passengers at halfthechild.com. There are links there. Uh, attentional passengers is in print and audio mm -hmm. and um, uh, Kindle, and half the child is in print and Kindle and. Soon and soon to be, to be released in audio as well. So there we go. Absolutely. Um, so I can't thank you enough again for all of your incredible insights and for all of our viewers. I hope this was helpful. And in the meantime, please stay in and stay safe. And while you're in, you can find both of these books on Amazon. So you can be reading while you're inside. We're in, I mean, at least for several more weeks. And who knows after that? Exactly. <laughs> Thank so, you so much, Stephanie. I appreciate it as always. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for joining us to all of you. And be safe. Thanks for having us. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us for Once and Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us, and happy writing!